But while we were on that sabbatical, we started meeting people who seemed to figure out ways to make their careers work around their lives instead of the other way around. They were not old retired people, but younger people who just decided that they wanted to be able to travel as part of uh, their lives while they're young and, and able. And also that it didn't really take that much money. I think in my mind, I always thought that you had to be wealthy or retired in order to do a lot of traveling. But you get out on the road and you realize that a lot of people are able to do it on on pretty meager budgets. And at the same time, this is the, the internet revolution was happening to where people were able to work remotely. So that kind of started the, the gears turning. I knew that I didn't want a bunch of stakeholders. I didn't want to raise money again. And I also wanted to build something that was flexible enough that I could travel and uh, live the life that I wanted to live now instead of waiting for some magical retirement or, or wealth event. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 150 with the co-founder of Fizzle.co, Corbett Barr. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, You got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Again, this is JC Preston. Thank you for joining me today for this uh, particular session of the Angles of Latitude podcast. Joining me today is Veronica, and we're here to bring you life life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists to help you find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. Can you believe it? We're at number 150 of the show, and crazy to think how far we've come since the beginning. You know, to celebrate, I wanted to give you guys a chat that Veronica and I did recently with Corbett, co-founder of Fizzle. As you guys know, Fizzle was a key element in the launch of this particular podcast, as well as the place where Veronica and I connected. So it seems only fitting that since we've hit this milestone that we have Corbett on and talk about how Fizzle was started and what he thinks about the online entrepreneurial space almost 10 years after he started his first blog traffic. Specifically in this chat with Corbett, Veronica and I get the chance to find out more about how Corbett originally got his feet wet as an entrepreneur, how he and Chase came together to pursue the idea of Fizzle, and when it comes to scaling, what advice does he have for those who want to develop the business they truly want? You know, if you've been on the fence about joining Fizzle but want to know more about where it came from and its creators, then, then I hope you get the inspiration you need from this chat. After you hear this interview and want to get started, don't forget you can get two weeks for free by using the link newinceptions.com slash fizzle. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash F-I-Z-Z-L-E. All right, before we get started, I'd love for you to hit the subscribe button to get more episodes like this dropped into your podcast player or whatever you're listening to us on. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And in fact, if you haven't heard iTunes is being phased out, so Apple Podcasts will be the app of choice in the not-too-distant future. 
across all Apple devices. Also, if you can support the show on Patreon, that would be much appreciated. You can now reach that by going to patreon.com slash AOL podcast. And show notes and show note extras of this conversation can be found at newinceptions.com slash 150. As usual, I'll be on after the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston, and with me today is the audacious entrepreneur herself, Veronica Kieran. Hello. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Actually looking forward to uh, today's conversation. I know both of us, mm-hmm. this is actually exciting for us and a special treat yes. for the audience. And as you guys know, I'm a huge proponent of education reform. And when I was going back through grad school, especially uh, doing uh, entrepreneurship uh, education, um, and taking my classes, uh, you know, I was always checking out online methods of, of education platforms. Back in the day, there was one called Moodle, for example, that we used in, in, the, in the classroom. And, you know, I, I just knew that this was kind of the way of the future. And skip a few years ahead, I find out about this site called Fizzle. And in fact, you know, it was, it was actually at this site that Veronica and I first met. Yeah. Out of the blue, really, right? This is like, yeah, this is like baby, baby entrepreneur Veronica and baby entrepreneur JC hanging out in the Fizzle forums, figuring it all out together. It was a match made in heaven. Well, not only that, but you know, you've, you, I was pushing your buttons at the time to use Facebook as a, as a tool of getting yourself out there. And it was more, like a little while to figure out. Well, yeah, now I'm nudging you. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit of burnout for me and, and, and all yeah, that, but that's, that's I another discussion that. for another time. But <laughs> since that time you've gone from being in the tech world to coaching and speaking, and I've gone from coaching to consulting to now what seems to be a combination of both, which I'll have an update on that on a later time. But uh, today's guest is someone that's been there the entire time. Um, and in fact, mm-hmm. he too has had to change the scenery in his career from time to time. And with a history of uh, highlighted by being involved with venture backed startups to consulting for Fortune 500 companies and then blogging, he's seen it all. And in fact, he was one of uh, Pat Flynn's early guests on session eight of the SBI podcast. Uh, since then, he started a few more companies, including Fizzle itself. And Palapa, a modern discussion platform for member-based websites. And today we're speaking with no other than Corbett Barr, who can be found at CorbettBarr.com. Corbett. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Happy to be here with you guys today. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. I, I love hearing that uh, that you started as a fizzle connection story. Yeah. yeah. Makes, me, makes me happy. You're the reason. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, we haven't That's even, great. we haven't even, she's, she's in Grand Rapids. I'm in Indianapolis, but we haven't even connected We've never yet seen each other's yeah. faces. It's crazy. Really? He doesn't even yeah. know what yeah. it smells well, like. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I, uh, <laughs> maybe we need some scratch and sniff te- technology or something. Yeah, this is the way uh, of the future. I've been working with someone for over two years who I haven't met in person. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the same boat. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. About, about the same. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, totally great to have you on. And uh, truth is, I'm, I'm really excited. And as you can tell, Veronica is as well. And, you know, you're a third member of the, the official show team that we've, we've had on, on this specific podcast. Uh, a couple of years back, we got to know more from Barrett and Steph. 
And since Veronica and I connected around 2016, you know, that was, that was really the, 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 the team, the four of you guys mm-hmm. were, were the team back then. So, yeah. um, cool to have number three of the, uh, what, what the, <laughs> the, uh, the infinity stones, so to speak. <laughs> I'm like ring a bell. Can we get a bell sound effect right now? Yeah. Ding, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you start breaking out and lightning no and all that. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, as I mentioned in, at the top of the show, you've been actually aware, uh, you've been around the blogging world um, since session eight. And I, I think that that's about the time that I got to, to know of you and Think Traffic. And I, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Think Traffic was around, you started that in around 2010. That time frame was definitely a good time frame, I think, to get started as an online uh, based entrepreneur, you know, Google was easier to navigate. You could do some hacks yeah. with it and all this, these other black, black hat tricks, so to speak. And <laughs> there wasn't much uh, competition on, on social media. In fact, uh, the, you know, ads wasn't quite a thing yet, but your time in the entrepreneur space goes back further than that though. And if I remember right about this, I think in your conversation with Michael O'Neill, you know, you talked about your background in the uh, tech startup world. How did you get involved in that scene? Yeah, it, it's um, amazing how time goes by, and, and mm-hmm. now I sound like an old person, which my wife hates <laughs> when I talk about things that happened in, in the 2000s or even in the 90s to our millennial <laughs> friends. She gets mad because I'm implying that she's my age as well, I guess. But um, Oh, no. <laughs> oh, nope. no. So, <laughs> my, uh, yeah, my tech uh, history goes back quite a ways, um, but... Uh, in the mid 2000s, we had uh, moved to San Francisco where my wife was going to graduate school. And at that point, I was a Fortune 500 consultant, the kind of person who gets sent around the country to work on um, big organizational, transformational technology kind of projects. And uh, I was rather tired of flying across the country like mm. you would be after five years of doing that, leaving on Monday morning and coming back on Friday night wow. uh, was, was tiring. And in San Francisco, of course, in the mid-2000s, it was after the dot-com bubble, but there was still a lot of startup energy there. Mm-hmm. That city is really dominated by Google and Facebook and um, venture capital. And uh, I was reconnecting with old colleagues and had lunch with someone that I had worked with a few years before. And he happened to mention that he was thinking about getting this new startup going and was looking for founders to join him. So Mm. I didn't intend necessarily at that point to do so, but I always had this idea in the back of my mind that I wanted to be an entrepreneur for some reason. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I think that I, I had this vague idea that I wanted to be in business when I was growing up and I didn't exactly know what that meant. I ended up finding myself in Fortune 500 Consulting, which was Mm-hmm. Just really feeling like a tiny, tiny cog in a giant machine. Mm-hmm. And so entrepreneurship became more and more attractive. And um, one thing led to another. And I, I, I eventually said, sure, why not? Let's give this a go. It seemed like the right time in my life, the right place. And I was working with someone who had uh, experience building a successful startup in the past. So mm-hmm. all those things came to l- together. And um I ended up uh, doing that from 2005 to 2008 and had a lot of fun. We, we built a, a 
company with, you know, an office, employees, board of directors. Uh, we raised venture capital and um, did the whole like, quote unquote, traditional Silicon Valley startup thing. Mm. Mm. So when did you, you're, you're, when'd you start uh, Think Traffic? When when did you know that it was time to switch gears to start that? Yeah, so uh, Think Traffic was in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, it towards the end of 2008, if you recall, there was a financial catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> really? I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> well, it it did happen, and uh, <laughs> a lot of people lost their homes. Yeah, uh, a lot of banks went under, and at the same time venture capitalists were starting to scramble because their uh, partners were pulling out, getting nervous, and they realized it was going to be hard for them to raise their next rounds of funds. So they were making some really tough decisions. And we were kind of caught in that trap because we were, as they say in Silicon Valley, a pre-revenue company, Mm -hmm. which means (laughs) uh, a lot of companies there start by uh, just burning a bunch of cash and giving something away for free or cheap uh, so that you can gain market share and then eventually, uh, you know, turn things into profitability. We see that go on and on today, even with uh, Uber just going public recently. I mean, they still burn hundreds of millions of dollars. It's amazing. And, And even companies like Tesla. So sometimes that works out, but sometimes it doesn't because you are beholden to the venture capitalist to keep writing you checks. And um, when we weren't able to raise enough money to keep the vision intact, we had to lay people off and make a bunch mm. of hard decisions. And I decided at that point, um, instead of continuing on and buckling down, or instead of just jumping into the next thing, whatever that was going to be, we hit the reset button and took a uh, sabbatical. My wife and I drove to Mexico for eight months and just really uh, tried to disconnect from life and society and reconnect with who we were and what we wanted from life and ask ourselves some bigger questions about career and life and the connection between the two. Now, where did you go in in Mexico? Because I've always heard about that part that you guys took that eight-month sabbatical. And, you know, I've recently have gone to Mexicali and Calexico. And it's like, I don't know if I could live in that area for that long and have the realizations that you did. Where, where, were you, where did you? Yeah, we didn't spend uh, too much time in the border towns. And I, <laughs> I could see how you might feel that way. Uh, we, we, we drove throughout Mexico okay. and um, basically ended up probably in 12 or so different places for between a few nights up to a month each. And um, learned a lot about Mexico. I always had this kind of romantic idea about getting to know Mexico being our mm. southern neighbor. It's so yeah. mysterious in some ways. So uh, we spent a lot of time, but really enjoyed uh, certain places like San Miguel de Allende, which is a, a colonial hill town. It's really beautiful. We also spent a lot of time at the beach in smaller, mm. uh, just kind of laid back surfing towns. So you know, once you get out of the border towns, there's a lot to explore and a lot that's really uh, laid back and and uh, doesn't feel you know sc- uh, stressful or, or yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Which is yeah. the space you need if you're going to go through your own kind of evolution. You need you need that like chill, almost like insular. Like nobody's demanding something of you. You can go at your own pace, and that sounds like the perfect environment for that. I, I think so, and also it's just nice to get away from 
uh, the like your typical influences in, mm-hmm. in society or even your friends and family that you're around all the time. When you're trying to make a radical life change, there's so much pulling you back to yeah. the, the life that you've been in, uh, just the social norms. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to, if your identity has been built around a career, it's really mm-hmm. hard to, to turn away from that because your sense of worth is derived a lot from the title and importance that you have at work, the salary that you make, mm-hmm. what people think of you and, and so on. And so disconnecting from all of that um, makes that transition, I think, a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go to a different place. First of all, you're no longer surrounded by the identity that you've built for yourself that now everyone else expects of you. And you're also no longer surrounded by the habits that you've built for yourself. You don't have like those visual triggers and cues. You're not in the same house. Uh, So I think a lot of people discover that when they travel, they're able to almost like be a little bit more themselves because they're can, not constantly stimulated by that. Yeah, you get that that clean slate feeling. Yeah. That, you know, and a lot of people, I, I, I'm this way on vacation. If we go somewhere for more than a couple of weeks, uh, I tend to fall in love with a new place. And mm-hmm. you know, no matter where it is, um, I've, I've felt that way of a lot of places like, oh man, I could just move here, just live here. But a lot of that, I think, is just being disconnected and not having any yeah. responsibilities, which yeah. is so attractive. A little bit more of your pure self. So. You, you spent these eight months in Mexico and then you had this realization. So what got you, I mean, think traffic, was that going to be a, a business based blog or, or like, how did, were you even thinking money at that time? What was, what was going on there? Well, I, I think the, the key for me was that in, in the startup world, I had ended up feeling almost like I had uh, less freedom and control over my life than I did when I was in the corporate world. And that's mostly because you have all of these stakeholders involved. Like I said, employees, uh, board of directors, uh, co-founder, investors, Mm -hmm. all these sorts of things that um, just end up making you feel like you have to spend night and day trying to make this thing successful uh, so that you can have a big exit of some sort, you know, either sell the company or, or go public one day or something so that you can make a bunch of money and then go off and do whatever it is that you want to do, really want to do with your life. Right into the sunset, <laughs> right exactly, into the and, sunset. And go travel Mexico or whatever it is that you want to do at that point. But while we were on that sabbatical, we started meeting people who seemed to figure out ways to make their lives work around or sorry, their careers work around their lives Mm -hmm. instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. They were not old retired people, but younger people who just decided that they wanted to be able to travel as part of uh, their lives while they're young and and able. And also that it didn't really take that much money. I think in my mind, I always thought that you had to be wealthy or retired in order to do a lot of traveling, but you get out on the road and you realize that a lot of people are able to do it on, on pretty meager budgets. And at the same time, this is the, the internet revolution was happening to where people were able to work remotely, um, either because they started a business or because they worked for a company that allowed them to do so. So that kind of started the, the gears turning. I knew that I didn't want a bunch of stakeholders. I didn't want to raise money again. And I also wanted to build something that was flexible enough that I could travel and uh, live the life that I wanted to live now instead of waiting for some magical retirement or, or wealth event. So. Um, that started limiting things down for me. 
and uh, blogging was taking off at that time. I started a blog to sort of chronicle our trip and, and ask myself these questions out loud about life and career and the nature between them. And uh, did that for the first year or so, and then started to think, well, how could I build a business out of this? And something that I had experience with from my prior startup, as well as this new blog that I had built, was growing audiences online. I had figured that piece out pretty well and uh, decided to start a blog and business around that idea, which is asking the question, why do some websites become massively popular while the vast majority basically go unnoticed? And, and the same is true for not just websites, but also mm -hmm. social media channels and YouTube and, and podcasts and, and everything. So that was a, a fertile ground to ask those questions and um, to try to start to answer things for people who are following me. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So, I mean, with that, you know, we're, we're very excited about to talk about fizzled because that's where JC and I met. And I was just asking JC, like, I don't even remember how I discovered fizzle. How did you discover fizzle? Um, and we both think that it was probably through other podcasts and that drew us in. Um, it seems like even when, so when I found fizzle, it was 20, we think 2016, probably. Uh, and so you mm -hmm. guys were up and running pretty strong by then. Um, but it seems like fizzle is like, it's a pioneer in its space and, and you being the founder along with it. Um, we, we know that a lot of other, um, online businesses started around the time. So like Pat Flynn, Gary V, Amy Porterfield, Lewis Howes, all these different major, um, online businesses were starting kind of around the same time. Um, and even some of these people that I just mentioned were um, featured as founding partners of Fizzle, which is amazing. But yeah, so like just as just JC was saying, it was kind of a magical time in the internet where like things could, you could play a little bit more. There was a little less pressure. There was a little less competition. And today now, like if you want to run a Facebook ad, you better have an expert by your side because it's going to run you up a pretty big bill and it's going to take tons of market research and tons of time making sure everything happens. It it's a lot more, um, involved to start something like this. So how do you, I mean, we have our opinions as we've voiced, but how do you feel that things have changed, um, in the online entrepreneurial space since you started fizzle and since, since your other businesses as well? It, it, that's a great question. Um, and you know, there, I think there are different angles to come at this. One is it's natural. And, and I've heard this, um, in all kinds of different media that, uh, there was like a golden age of, of getting started or the good old days, right? We, we heard this about um, startups back in the day. We heard this about blogging back in the day. We've heard this about podcasting and so on. And it kind of continues on. And uh, to some degree, it might be true. There, there's always an open playing field. And you could think to yourself, well, man, uh, if I had just been early on Instagram, I could have a massive following today or, or whatever the platform was. On the other hand, uh, more... Um, constructive question might be, well, what is the next big thing? Because if we've learned one thing about the internet, it's that the pace of innovation seems to accelerate over time. So uh, these platforms seem to have yeah. uh, shorter and shorter lives and, and new things are cropping up all the time. We hadn't, you know, podcasting just really became a thing in the past five years or so. Uh, and so the question is what, what might be coming next? Um, in terms of like when, when I was getting started in, in 2009, uh, in this world, 
definitely there were a lot of people who were uh, interesting and exciting um, in terms of potential and also accessible at the time because uh, I, I think I got to know Pat Flynn around the time that he may have had like just several thousand subscribers to his blog. Mm -hmm. It was, I think he started in 2008 or so. Mm -hmm. So he was only maybe a year in, but the thing mm -hmm. that you have to recognize is that at that point, I didn't know that Pat was anything special. I didn't know that you right. know, 10 years later, he would be this, this massive influence that he is today. Mm -hmm. So what I loved uh, about that time and what I did at that time was just the ability to connect with a bunch of people that I felt had some kind of um, potential future and make mm -hmm. friends with those people by going to conferences, by uh, connecting online and, and forming mastermind groups and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so I, I just wonder, you know, today, and, and I always encourage people to do this, is to look around at your peer group, uh, you know, people who are just getting started and ask yourself, you know, which of these people seem like they are poised to really do something and align yourself mm -hmm. with those people, the, the rising stars of the current day. Because now that I'm, uh, now that I've been doing this for 10 years, I look around all the time and see younger, newer people who just got started two or three years ago that I haven't been aware of who are now becoming massive successes themselves. They have they're running mm. six and seven figure businesses and doing it in some ways quicker than any of us did back in the day, because although there's more competition and so on, there are also more resources and tools. And for people who are like really dedicated and committed, I think you can actually make things happen maybe even quicker. So, um, you know, I think there are pros and cons to it. It was great to be starting back in the day and uh, fun to be part of like the old West but, um, <laughs> but today I, I think there are some advantages too. Yeah. I, I think you're right that like nowadays, at least there's a blueprint back in the day, there wasn't even a blueprint. You just kind of are like hacking through the forest, hoping that you could find wherever you were going. Um, and maybe that's an extreme example or extreme metaphor, but, um, you're right that now, now it's easier to find somebody who's done something a lot closer to what you're trying to do and just kind of follow in their footsteps. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, looking around you and figuring out who's, who's doing what in your space or in the space you want to be in. Because, um, yeah, I've noticed that in my life for the past decade, if I look around like a decade ago, I didn't realize that I was sitting in a mastermind group with like the future mayor of my city. And now today we're like really close friends and people are like, how are you friends with the mayor? And I'm like, well, I just, you know, I got into spaces early on and people evolve and grow. And then all of a sudden they go in, in these, they grow in large ways. And so you may not realize, just as you said with Pat Flynn, you may not realize that you're actually kindling a relationship with somebody who's going to be quote unquote, a big deal. And then like, what does it matter? They're another human. It's just great that you have this relationship and you can talk to them about the similar spaces that you're in. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And I think, um, uh, you've probably heard the quote before about you end up being the average of the five people that you spend the most time yeah. with. Mm -hmm. And I think, Absolutely. I think a lot of people who are starting out online, um, or are trying to change their lives feel like they need to find five uber successful people to be friends with, mm -hmm. and that will make them uber successful. But it's just so difficult as a newbie starting out to make genuine connections with someone who is who you consider to be an A-lister 
because they're just, sure. they're busy. They've got all kinds of stuff going on and it's really hard to stand out and, and have something um, to offer. So instead- yeah, your you just, lives are so different at that point too. Right, right. And so, uh, you know, you may have, you may have a lot of uh, raw material, but it, what you need to do is seek mm-hmm. out other people that you think have that raw material as well. And, you know, it, you may be able to reach a step or two ahead and uh, connect with people right. who have already started the journey. But um, I think that's I think that's the 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 formula for success, like no matter what you're getting started in, is to find people who are passionate, driven and um, just seem to have a lot of potential in that space and form a little group together, form a band together who uh, lift each other up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Start that band. So I can't it's start the band. I want to take this back to, I don't even know. Was it a beer? Was it a, was it a meal? Was it watch you playing video games? Um, I want to take it back to the conversation with, with chase where you said, okay, like maybe we want to start something that supports other people who want to start online businesses, who want to be entrepreneurs and change makers, but like, what can we start that's going to do that? Um, what was, what was that initial starting point? What was that initial conversation? Was it just like, here's an idea let's talk about, or was it a very organic where you stumbled onto it after having, you know, time together for a little while? So, uh, Chase Reeves, my co-founder in Fizzle and I met originally at a conference, actually. Uh, I think it was in late 2011. We met at a conference called blog world that was held in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And um, that was a great conference, by the way. And and I don't know what exists today, but I really recommend people attend conferences to meet folks. Uh, I've attended the World Domination Summit out here in Portland, Oregon for a number of years. And it's just great to get in person and actually mm-hmm. connect with people. Chase and I didn't know each other online at all prior to that. We just met because we had mutual friends. We were out at a bar. He heard me order a shot of Fernet, which is this god-awful liquor that they serve in bars in San Francisco. I ordered one at this conference in LA <laughs> and he was like, Oh my God, you like Fernet? I like Fernet. And so we connected over that. Um, nice. But, nice. uh, in terms of alcohol, bringing people together <laughs> that's right, and breaking apart families since, <laughs> you know, God knows why. uh, it has that magic. So I had been, uh, walking around with this vague idea for fizzle in my back pocket for quite some time. At that point, I had just one uh, person working with me named Caleb Wojcik, uh, who is out there uh, today, the DIY video guy. And also he was co-host of The Fizzle Show for quite some time. He now does a lot of work with Pat Flynn, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Caleb and I had built uh, various online courses, including one that was called Start a Blog That Matters. Uh, we had another one about affiliate marketing. And I started to feel like a couple of things were happening. One was customers would sign up for one of our courses and feel like, okay, this is great, but I want the rest of the puzzle pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't necessarily know where to start, but they knew they wanted sort of a comprehensive experience. And also for us, just from a uh, pure business standpoint, it became more and more complicated to have more and more of these online courses out there to support customers on different platforms and so on. And this was prior to Teachable or any of the platforms where you can just create an online course, you had to like spin up a separate website 
In fact, at the time, there wasn't even a theme that was um, meant for online courses. So we had to adapt themes that were meant for basically publishing an online book so that we could add video to them and so on. So it was it was wow. quite an ordeal to do that and to keep them all um, running and, and so on. So I had this vague idea that I wanted to consolidate those things from a selfish standpoint and also because I felt like we could serve customers better by having a more comprehensive solution. But I also felt like I didn't necessarily, um, between myself and Caleb, our team didn't have the design and vision chops to be able to pull this off necessarily. Mm. So when mm-hmm. Chase and I met, uh, it became clear to me that he was really good at design. He ended up redesigning my uh, Think Traffic blog, and I loved the results that we got there. And um, just he was good at branding and and all kinds of other things that I wanted to bring to the table. He was also good at video, which was a, a key element of what we wanted to do. So <laughs> finally, when when we connected and started talking, it just seemed like it was more and more possible to build something like Fizzle, which ended up being community video training support and and so on uh all wrapped together with with a bow of of this podcast that we created and um it just seemed like it was more possible with him and so after knowing Mm -hmm. each other for nine months or so i i sweet talked him finally into joining so that we could get this thing off the ground in in 2000 you bought him more liquor didn't you (laughs) there was a lot of liquor involved yes And then what was it, what did it feel like to transition from Think Traffic to Fizzle? Well, like most things that I've done, the transition uh, isn't a clean break from one to the other. It's more of mm-hmm. a, a subtle uh, overlap. And so, and, and, you know, I don't know, maybe that's just being risk averse or whatever, but I like to make sure the new thing yeah. is going to float before I fully jump into that ship. And uh, yeah. so- Fizzle had probably been running for a solid year or so before we consolidated Think Traffic into Fizzle fully. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it was yeah. always interesting to see all the Sparkline uh, blog pieces from Think Traffic. I've been like, I, I'd seen that before. I wasn't quite sure where, but yeah. And and the cool thing is, you know, when you when you do anything online, and I I tell this to um, students all the time it can feel scary to choose a direction and to start working in that direction, uh, creating a podcast or a blog or, or any kind of content because you don't know if you're still going to be into that thing a year from now or if it's going to feel right to you or if there's going to be a market there. There's all kinds of questions, mm-hmm. and, and that uh, is scary, and it paralyzes a lot of people, and they, they don't get started because yeah. of it. They're waiting for some like yeah. you know divine answer before they get started. But if, <laughs> if you start in a direction and, and learn later that you need to pivot a little bit or, or change directions, you can often take the momentum that you've created and, um, and use it in your new venture. It might not apply one-to-one, but if you've built a following, some of those people will come with you. If you have learned how to create decent content, then you will have those skills and be able to improve them in your next venture. So there's all kinds of reasons why you should just get started now, even if it means uh, you might have to change directions later. You are preaching to the choir. Do you hear it, everybody? Just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just do it. Um, yeah. And so I a little background about me, uh, just to preface this next question. Uh, so I, I specialize in scaling 
businesses. Um, and specifically with the view of like, don't work the 60 hour work week, work the 10 hour work week, but do so smartly so that your business continues to grow exponentially. Um, and what we've noticed about you and admire about you is that as you've grown fizzle and you've grown your other offerings, um, Rather than growing the amount of work on your plate with growing your businesses, you have strategically planned your business growth and your opportunity um, acceptance around what you want your life to look at, look like. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs run around like chickens without heads because as they grow, they try to grow the amount of work on their plates. Um, and so what would you say to them um, you know, those that, that they see all the opportunities, they want to start all the things all at once. Um, what's your advice to, to them in order to get off the hamster wheel, but still have the business that they want to have? So scaling, you know, uh, requires that you have strong demand and a, a deep well of potential customers that you can serve. So, you know, first of all, I, I encourage people not to uh, put the cart before the horse and and do a bunch of hiring in anticipation of scaling. You have to kind of mm-hmm. do it at the right time when when you're sure that there will be revenue there to support it. But the most important thing I think is that all of us, just like we have to learn how to become effective entrepreneurs, we have to learn how to identify an opportunity, identify a group of people with a, a need or a problem or a desire, and then figure out a way to solve that. That's a very specific mm-hmm. skill set as an entrepreneur. We also later have to become better at uh, managing that business. Being an entrepreneur is a lot different than being a manager. And, and that's something, yeah. a skill that, that you need to acquire, which means learning how to hire people who can solve the needs that your, your business has and then give those mm-hmm. people the room to do their job. And, and so I think that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs either want to just do everything themselves or they know that they need to bring people on to help, but they aren't equipped yet to do that in an effective way. And they end up um, still doing everything themselves because they don't trust mm. people or they micromanage them mm-hmm. or, or whatever. There are all kinds of of, uh, of problems there. But the point being, I think just, you need to study what it means to be an effective manager and how to make use of good people inside of your business. Truly. That's actually a very good point that I think a lot of people miss, especially at the startup, like the very, very beginning of the startup phase. When you're an entrepreneur, you're looking at that 50,000 foot level, um, you're all ideas and you may be implementing, but you also may have partners who are helping you implement and you're all kind of on this one playing field. And as you grow, as you hire, you have to transition from the creative aspects and the, the you know initial startup planting the seeds aspects to now you're managing a team. And sometimes sometimes entrepreneurs don't make that pivot very well. Well, and I think that something's also to be said about the fact that there are people that are natural managers and then there's natural mm-hmm. like visionaries. And that's yes, true. you know, the thing is, is that a lot of people, what they'll, they'll try to do is maybe if they're a natural manager, or maybe there'd be someone that is really good at real estate investing and something like this, that they'll try to force themselves to be an entrepreneur or a branded mm. person or something like this. And, you know, that's one of the things that I see people fail at all the time is like, they see, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, not necessarily. Maybe the best thing that you could be doing, and this is something that I think Chase was talking about on a recent episode, 
was that maybe the best thing you can do as opposed to being the person is become part of a group that are the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And get away from the shoulds. This is what I'm supposed to do. Right. That's a pitfall. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, just to, we, we've, we obviously are fans of entrepreneurship and we talk about that a lot. We, we, um, talk about the virtues of entrepreneurship, but that doesn't mean that I don't, believe there are chapters in people's lives where it might be more appropriate to join a team, to uh, join a startup, or to help an entrepreneur who already has an idea so that you can uh, learn and grow and contribute something um, before jumping out on your own. Because you don't get that many chances at building a business because it takes an enormous emotional and financial toll on you. So, uh, you know, I think it, you don't need necessarily to rush into things. You could also look for a job, for example, that allows you to work remotely so that you might be able to scratch that itch of being able to travel and, and live a more comfortable lifestyle for a while while you let that entrepreneurial idea incubate a little bit more, um, before jumping off. Totally. And speaking of, of Chase and the show, um, he, he seems like he's still the main host or he's transitioned into that role. Um, and there's, there's definitely some new folks there and, and who, I don't know, man, it, it, it seems like you're, you're traveling a bit and it's safe. Steph has been replaced a bit. And, I, and in fact, um, the last time that I was religiously listening to the show was when Steph was moving back to Louisville. So I'm kind of curious how have things changed since then. And, you know, what are you excited about for not just Fizzle, but what you're doing with uh, Palapa and everything that you got going on? So I, I am uh, in the business of entrepreneurship, and that means that uh, the business that we run, Fizzle, ends up attracting people who are interested in entrepreneurship and, and likely to pursue something themselves. So rather than fight that tendency... Um, and, you know, hire people and require that they don't work on something on the side or, or whatever, we have instead decided to embrace that mm. and to get the best out of people who are entrepreneurially minded while we can and to support them in building their own thing uh, that they may end up ultimately going off to run on their own. Okay. And so over the history of Fizzle now, we've uh, on the show, for example, we've had various periods, uh, with different hosts, uh, over the years. And, and that's because way back in the day, uh, I mentioned Caleb Wojcik earlier, he's gone off to start his own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Barrett Brooks on the show and, uh, on the fizzle mm-hmm. team, and he's gone on to become chief operating officer of convert kit, which is an email, uh, marketing tool, a very good one. Uh, Chase Reeves, our own Chase Reeves, the, um, co-host of the show and, and co-founder of fizzle is running his own thing, which is um, basically doing reviews of bags on YouTube, which is crazy that that can become a full business, but it really is. He has hundreds of thousands of people tuning into these review videos Such on niche. YouTube. Such a niche. Such, yeah. <laughs> and um, he's about to expand that, that niche a little bit uh, into some other areas, which is exciting for him. Steph Crowder uh, is busy with Courage and Clarity and so on. So okay. this is just kind of the, the nature of things. And um, I'm lucky to uh, have an opportunity to work with those folks. And then some of them 
Like Steph is still on the show once a month or so. Chase is still on the show most episodes. And these things may change over time. I think the one constant uh, will be me at this point. But um, I brought on three new people about six months ago, and, and they've all become part of the Fizzle family uh, pretty quickly. So I'm excited about that. So, you know, I think uh, that's, that's the nature of the kind of business that we run. Although, I'll also point out that if you look at the average tenure of employees in major companies, even companies that people seem to be um, coveting these days, like Google, or Facebook or Apple, mm-hmm. the average tenure ends up being under three years for anyone who's hired in those companies. So mm-hmm. even Apple or Facebook can't keep someone around on average for more than three years. So given that, you know, our average is a little bit higher than that, I'm, I'm pretty happy considering <laughs> that these are all entrepreneurs that we end up working with. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the show, uh, you know, luckily we have, we've always kind of had this menagerie of co-hosts involved and I think that that works going forward. Um, in terms of the, the other ventures that we've got going on, Fizzle continues, uh, over six years old now. And, um, we, we have a a great community in there still. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot of things over the years from running a community and we also have tried a lot of different software platforms over the years from uh, things like Slack or Facebook groups, um, forum tools like IP board and discourse. And we found all of them to be lacking in one way or another for a specific community like ours. Usually forum software is a little bit clunky. Uh, those things that were originally designed in, in the 90s and 2000s haven't really evolved to meet what uh, people expect from modern tools like social media tools. But uh, the newer tools like Slack end up being sort of um, chaotic when you get more than 10 or 20 people involved yes. in them. Yes. I don't know if you've ever been <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a big Slack group, but it's, it's hard to follow yes. like a, a chat type conversation when there's dozens or hundreds of people involved. So uh, we decided a couple of years ago to embark on building our own platform that would serve our community the platform's called Palapa, and uh, it's been powering Fizzle now for uh, coming up on nine months or, or so, and we are starting to roll it out to other communities. We're building it as a product, as a software, as a service product. So that's keeping me pretty busy these days. Um, I've, I've been splitting my time about half between Fizzle and half between Palapa, and um, there's a lot of unique challenges in running two businesses at the same time, but um, being an entrepreneur yeah. means that you always have this like kind of itch that you need to scratch, which is uh, just looking for another thing to start from scratch because it's so fun to start things from scratch. Mm. Uh, that's that's exciting and and look forward to uh, what you got going on and uh, really excited for for the group and yeah, it's just it's just cool to see how the, the members of the team have have grown into their the new project. So real cool. Before we end today's conversation, I always want to get into the rapid fire questions segment. Again, this is not necessarily something you have to answer quickly. It's just that the questions are given to you rapidly. So, okay. So the first question <laughs> is, uh, what are three influencers or teachers that have helped you get to where you're at today? Hmm. All right. That's a good one. Uh, let's go... Um, Let's start out by going uh, first with Eric Reese, who uh, wrote a book called The Lean Startup. And uh, Lean Startup is all about how mm-hmm. to um, 
build a business without taking on so much risk so that you can quickly iterate, get feedback from customers and um, have a better shot at making it. So Eric Reese is one uh, that that um, matters to me. Another one I would say would be uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, just because I've followed him for so much time. And uh, I don't always agree with the hustle mindset that that he has, mm-hmm. but I do love the energy and the uh, just do what it takes kind of attitude that he has. So um, he's another one that, that I would say. I'm just looking over here on my bookshelf. Um, the the other one that that um, has really been a big influence on me since before I started blogging and so on uh, would be the founders of uh, Basecamp of mm. Thirty Seven Signals. Okay, uh, yeah. Jason Jason Freed and David Hanemeyer Hansen DHH as he's known because they wrote a couple of books. Um, one is called Rework, and uh, the first one was called Getting Real, and those were just um, revolutionary approaches to running a business and uh, getting rid of a lot of the um, junk that most corporate type businesses spend their time on and was a real eye opener for me. So I, I recommend those books. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, what's something that's going on right now that you think is going to affect entrepreneurship in the future that you're excited about? I, I think that, um, there is a lot of turmoil in the world, obviously, uh, from, you know, uh, tariffs that are happening on, on right. various countries, uh, to potential future wars, to, um, climate change, all kinds of things that seem really, really, uh, scary. But at the same time, those things open up massive opportunities and make mm. major economic shifts. Those, um, might not seem like opportunities for the average entrepreneur like you or I that are trying to build a small independent business around something that we care about. But uh, with those big changes comes a need for information, commentary, uh, instruction, all those sorts of things. So even if you're not out there inventing the next clean tech uh, invention uh, you know, or, or product, you can still get involved in that industry by blogging, podcasting, creating YouTube videos, uh-huh. all those sorts of things. So whether it be clean tech or you know, cryptocurrencies or anything else that is becoming a major shift and trend in society, there's still opportunities there. Huh. So in other words, pay nice. attention to what Elon's paying attention to. And then if he starts building something into mm-hmm. it, then you can create a, a side business from that and be like, ah, love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. You might not be able nice. to build a rocket, but um, you certainly, <laughs> you certainly can, can entertain and inform all of the, the geeks who follow them. And it's really funny. I just had somebody else tell me to watch Elon earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> the universe is speaking to me. What issue do you believe uh, more people ought to be talking about yet? Hardly one is since you were just talking about those, uh, those big topics there. Mm. You know, as, as an entrepreneur, this is, this is something that we talk about on the show quite a bit, but um, I think that entrepreneurship and, and mental health need to be talked about more often. And, and honestly, not just entrepreneurship, this kind of affects everyone uh, who works for a living. Um, there are just a lot of things that go along with trying to build a business uh, or to be entrepreneurial in, in any way that um, make us uh, feel like we need to struggle alone a lot of times because we're you know ashamed or embarrassed or, or feel like 
the things that we're feeling maybe are just us and, and nobody else is feeling that, but, um, you mm-hmm. know, whether it be, uh, depression or fear or, um, you know, anything else that comes with the emotional roller coaster that we go on, I think it's good for all of us to, to bring those things up from time to time, whether it be in our own, uh, mastermind groups or with our own communities or on our shows and, and blogs and so on, just so that we can normalize those things. And, um, people who are in really tough situations realize that they're not alone and that, um, things do change over time. I'm literally fist pumping in the air right now. Uh, (laughs) I'm the creator of self-care through scaling as JC knows. And that is like everything that I work on with my clients is work-life balance. In addition to scaling and opening up your plate more as an entrepreneur with PTSI, like I'm just hundred percent like, yes, yes. Okay. I'm good. Excitement over. All right. (laughs) Uh, what is something you believed as a 35 year old that you're, that you now tell yourself is completely inaccurate and why? Um, let's see something that I thought about, uh, seven years ago or so that is not true today. Well, okay. At that time, I think that, um, I felt as though I was going to be the lone wolf type of entrepreneur. We have these, these people Mm. in our, in our mind, I think that we feel like are just doing everything themselves, right? Mm. Especially those, uh, brands that are built around one single person. Uh, we've, we've mentioned Pat Flynn a number of times or, or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever. In reality, obviously Mm -hmm. those people have a lot of folks that are working for them behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the time I, I felt as though I was just going to run a one person show and, uh, I think that I, I paid a bit of a price initially because of that, because, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, like you were talking earlier, Veronica about scaling, um, it is, uh, it is natural for an entrepreneur to want to do everything themselves, especially if you have self-designated as being a one person show and, um, fast mm-hmm. forward to today, I've had, you know, a lot of different, um, people work with me on the team over the years and the business is better for it. I've been able to have a lot more space, mental space and emotional space from the business. Mm-hmm. I've been able to take vacations and travel and so on. And it's been a really great yeah. thing. So I think that, that, that yeah. would be the, the thing I would uh, caution people against if they feel like they're going to do everything on their own. Um, realize that you don't have to compromise. My reticence initially was in hiring people that I would feel, um, beholden to, you know, employees. Mm. And, um, I think that you can hire people in, in certain ways and align your incentives and build your company culture such that they actually make your life a lot easier. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a final question, what's it mean to live a life of abundance? Well, uh, for me, I think that it means, living a well-rounded life. And I think some people disagree with this. Some people feel like a life of abundance is, is more about focusing on one particular area of life. Um, but for me, it means that I make sure that my, um, needs are met in terms of mental and physical health. It means that I have strong relationships with, uh, friends and people who, um, engage me in the way that I want to be. And uh, also have time for travel and hobbies. And finally, uh, with work being one of the things that we spend the most amount of time on, 
I want to make sure that in my work, I am working on something that feels like a positive contribution to um, the world or at least to my customers and that I am at the same time being compensated for that effort that I'm putting in. Right on. So Corbett, thank you again for joining us today. Again, you can be found at CorbettBar.com or people can sign up for Fizzle. Fizzle Fizzle.co, is it these days? Yes, Fizzle.co. All right. Uh, Where can people find you on the socials if they want to connect with you personally? Uh, Twitter, you can find me at CorbettBar. That's probably the easiest. And um, thank you both for having me on. This was super fun. So again, guys, Check those uh, websites out. Get in contact with Corbett. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure having you on as well, man. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. So there you have it, guys. It was really great having Corbett on and was really inspirational to hear his thoughts about working in a group. And, you know, it was it worked quite well for the Fizzle team. And I'm excited to see what some of their magic can do for uh, us Amplify leaders. Um, in fact, a few of us got the chance to see what Palapa could do for our members. And based on our leadership to talk this past week, looks like that's the direction that we'll be headed for our own internal membership platform. So look into it if you want to get your own members, uh, their own platform for your particular site. As far as the show note extras for this session go, I have a few videos of Corbett from his personal site. Uh, the first one is where he talks about seven big lessons he's learned over the years as an entrepreneur. Uh, next, for those of you who are interested in seeing the world while you work, he has a video where he lists the best places to do so. He also discusses the Facebook productivity tax as well as how you can put together a remote team. And then the third video is for your productivity junkies. And uh, in this video, he shares four simple productivity practices and apps that he uses daily to save time and finally because this is something that we discussed in the interview i wanted to share with you a video of chase reeves the other founder of fizzle doing a bag review and in particular he's reviewing the evergoods ctb 40 he's uh, certainly found a niche there that i would never have personally thought of but after being around my wife who loves her bags i can see why people would be interested so that's it for session 150, guys. Again, what a journey that we've been on to this point. Thank you for joining us on this milestone episode. Remember, if you're curious to see Fizzle in person, do so for free for your first two weeks by visiting newinceptions.com slash Fizzle. Thank you again for spending a little bit of time with Veronica Corbett and me today. Always appreciate having you here. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in what you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash new inceptions, on Twitter at new inceptions, Instagram at new dot inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.